What's going on? You're giving out 175 million bonuses? I am. In December? We've had a very strong year's not over. We don't know where we're going to land. I want to reward people. I want them to feel good about the work they've done here. There's a reason that bonuses are in federal, especially in this point. You're not hearing support the people and take care of their families. <laughs> Better, play it safe. Hang on to any windfall just in case. I'm paying out the bonuses now. That's crazy. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Alright. Come on. This is the fucking behavior. Hanging out the bonuses now, taking care of them. Daddy, you alright? What's going on with you? Okay. Okay, you're sure? Just tell them. Tell us what? Now, many of you may have been listening to Robert De Niro, the great Robert De Niro, playing Bernie Madoff, if you guys have watched that movie. What he was about to divulge to his kids, they were asking, what ex why exactly was he giving out bonuses when it wasn't even Christmas time? They were about four to five months before Christmas. The reason being because his jig was up. His Ponzi scheme was up. People figured out that he was a fraud. Now, his kids and family were the last to find that out. That is what he was going to tell his children. Now, audience, welcome to another episode of The Wealth Principles. My name is Charles Danso. I am the host of today's episode. Like, subscribe, share today's episode. We're available on Spotify as well as Apple Podcasts at The Wealth Principles. Now, many of you may be asking the question, Maybe you watched a Netflix series on the Madoffs currently out now. Maybe you've seen the movie that I highlighted before I started this podcast. Maybe you've even read a story of individuals like Bernie Madoff, even your maybe the close family friend that you know that's taking money from you that you never saw returns on. Maybe the friend of a friend that was asking to pull money in, but you never you never saw the right returns that you were getting. That, ladies and gentlemen, is a form or is a Ponzi scheme. Now, many of you may not know what the definition is, the history of a Ponzi scheme, or even if you may be likely be in one currently right now, but that is what I'm here to do. We're not here to highlight individuals like Bernie Madoff, but rather shunning them. We are here to better protect myself, yourself, your family selves, your kids' selves in the near future. This is what we're going to discuss in today's episode, give you a step-by-step -step basis of what exactly a Ponzi scheme is, the history, and how to better protect yourself going forward. Transitioning, what is a Ponzi scheme? By definition, it is a fraudulent scheme that involves paying existing investors in a non-existent enterprise or company with the funds collected from new investors. So what does that mean, audience? That means that in a Ponzi scheme, the, the creator of that scheme always has to pull investors. Why? Because they have to fund the old investors already in place. A lot of times you hear words that these Ponzi scheme individuals will use saying little to or no risk involved in the investment. Now, why is that key audience? Because every investment that you make, whether it's real estate, whether it's the stock market, whether it's a crowdfund, whether it's a GoFundMe, all these things involve risk. Risk can be deduced by many factors. This could be a fluctuating market. 
This could be homes not being sold. This could be individuals not paying the, the money that you need to raise whatever capital you need, whether it's a business or whether it's a personal expense. All these factors play a role in involving risk. If you ever hear the term little or more importantly, no risk involved, that is likely tied or close there herein to a Ponzi scheme. That is one of the red flags out of many that I'm going to highlight in today's episode. But transitioning, like I mentioned, that is what exactly by definition a Ponzi scheme is. It's not just individuals that do a Ponzi scheme. Companies do a Ponzi scheme as well. Bernie Madoff, as highlighted, was one of the main entities that had a company that ran a Ponzi scheme. The Wolf of Wall Street was another guy that did it. What did they do? They look for, as they call, suckers. That's the term that they use. If you don't believe me, like I said, watch the movies, read the books, read the stories. These are individuals that tend to be older individuals, retiring individuals that put their life policy, life insurance policy into these investments. They could be younger individuals sometimes, depending on people that aren't really versed in market terminology. Even sometimes... It can be market terminology. Why is that? And why do they still invest? Because individuals that run Ponzi schemes, ladies and gentlemen, are some of the best marketing individuals and they can sell themselves. They can make you doubt yourself. You can be a seasoned investor of 20 to 30 years, but these individuals come to you with a handshake and smile and someone like Bernie Madoff, who had credentials, whether it was legitimate or illegitimate, he did have credentials. He was backed by a lot of powerful people in in the market. Now that's very important. This is why, like I said, nowadays information is everywhere. This isn't back in 20, 30 years ago. Even most recently, Bernie Madoff was found in the 2000s. He was found in the 2000s. And that's only because of a market crash or the 2008 market crash. The only reason why he came, he unraveled was because individuals pulled their money out when the market was tanking during that recession. Now, let's say a recession never happened. Bernie Madoff could still be stealing money to this day in 2023. Now, that's very important, audience. Like I mentioned, this is why you have to pay attention to these red flags. It doesn't matter whether you know this person. It doesn't matter whether you've known this guy or, or woman for 20, 30 years. It doesn't matter that she has a big booty. He, he, looks, he looks amazing. Sometimes beauty sells. All these things are factors in what these individuals will use to tell you that, hey, I quit my job today and I made $10,000 a, a, a week later. Red flags, audience. Pay attention to these words that are being thrown at you. This is, like I mentioned, is what we're going to highlight in these Ponzi schemes. Companies that engage in a Ponzi scheme focus their energy into attracting new clients to make investments. Otherwise, their scheme will become hard to cash. The SEC has issued guidance on what to look for in potential Ponzi schemes, including the guarantee of returns or unregistered investment vehicles with the SEC. Now, the SEC themselves were duped by Bernie Madoff and many others for years. Like I mentioned, Bernie Madoff was a powerful man in his prime. And even the financial regulators of the market, the Securities and Exchange Commissions, was duped for years. That is why now, audience, we have no excuse. 
Now, like I said, we are human. We're going to make mistakes. That's going to be crucial. But what we can do is better protect ourselves. Before we jump into an investment, really do our research thoroughly. We have such great platforms out there. We have individuals. I love the Wall Street Trapper. Of course, the Wizard of Omaha. Warren Buffett always gives great, great speeches, great terminologies during his annual shareholders meeting. You just have to buy one share to attend these meetings. You can do it via Zoom, YouTube. They record it for you. But he gives you the blueprint. Individuals, there's so many individuals out there that give you these blueprints that can teach you these better factors and how to better protect yourself. Now, before we actually get into what these red flags are, how to better protect yourself, what I want to highlight is where does the term Ponzi scheme come from? Maybe those that may not be privy to that name if you're outside the financial market actually started from a swindler named Charles Ponzi in the 1920s. He immigrated from Italy to the United States. I'm just going to give you a brief history. He started off, his family was rich, but by the time he was born, they were poor. So pretty much in his childhood, he had to struggle to kind of make ends meet. He was an educated man, much like Bernie Madoff. He was an individual that had aspirations to make money, just like Bernie Madoff. But the two red flags that individuals like Charles Ponzi and now Bernie Madoff and many others do is get rich quick by hurting others in the process. That is what the, the crux, the main point of exactly what we're saying the Ponzi scheme is. Why do I say hurting others? Because you're stealing people's life savings. You're stealing families' insurance policies. You're stealing trust fund money. You're stealing investment money from companies. These are all factors that play in a Ponzi scheme to keep the cash flow going. And do you ever think that these people that start these Ponzi schemes are going to stop? No, because much like Bernie Madoff, much like Wolf of Wall Street, uh, there's so many others out there, even today, that you follow on Instagram, on Twitter, that you may not even know are that are running Ponzi schemes because it just hasn't come to the light yet. But pay attention to those key words, little to no risk. Your money is always going to be safe and always see compound interest, even in the bear market. These are all things, like I mentioned, audience, you want to pay close attention to. Now. When Charles Ponzi reached the United States, he had aspirations like many others. He wanted to start, you know, a family. He met a nice woman. He wanted to basically have the ability to build wealth for himself. But things weren't working out, working odd jobs, getting fired, getting into fights. Oh, Charles Ponzi was was just distraught. But Something had happened where he basically looked at it and said, huh, this is interesting. There's a way that I can make quick money just by using other people's money. Now, what exactly did Charles Ponzi do? Charles Ponzi in 1920 organized a company called Securities Exchange Company, in which he sold stock promissory notes advertising 50% interest after 90 days. Now that's a red flag. Why would that be? Because how do you see 50% increase 
especially back in the 1920s. For those that may not know what happened in the 1920s around that time period, I will go back. I'm not going to say in detail, but if you're seeing a 50% interest increase, red flag. The funds obtained from investors were supposed to be used to buy IRCs to redeem in the U.S. Instead, Ponzi used funds obtained from new investors to pay off old investors. What was that last line, audience? Invest, let's say with me together now. Charles Ponzi used funds obtained from new investors to pay off old investors. Now, what did Charles Danso, the guy speaking to you right now, give you the definition of a Ponzi scheme? Using new investors to replenish old investors. Remember, it's a constant cash flow in a Ponzi scheme. You have to keep taking from new investors to fund the old because if the new investors isn't making money to fund the old, the jig is up. Let's keep going. By way of explaining why he did this, Charles Ponzi blamed the Universal Post Union for suspending the sale of IRCs once it learned about his coupon redemption scheme. After attempting to get around the suspension, Charles Ponzi shifted to his Rob Peter to pay Paul scheme. For a while, it worked. He racked about $15 million. In today's dollars, that's about $220 million. In the first eight months of eight, 1920, that's a lot of fucking money, audience. Let me repeat that. In his Ponzi scheme, Charles Ponzi in 1920 made 15 million in today's dollars adjusted with inflation is about 220 million in the first eight months of his Ponzi scheme. This must be Bernie Madoff's great grandfather because, or grandfather, I should say, because I'm like, how the hell is he making this kind of money in the early 1920s? He kept the scheme going by telling investors that he created an elaborate network of agents buying IRCs for him overseas that he could redeem in the U.S. for a tidy profit. In fact, there was no elaborate network of coupon buyers. He was using new investors to pay off old investors. Now, like all Ponzi schemes audience, where there's a good, there is always a bad. Where you exactly get caught. Now, what exactly happened and how did it end? So, in, nine, in July of 1920, the Boston Post ran a flattering front page feature on Ponzi pegging his net worth at $8.5 Less than a week later, the U.S. Post Office Department announced new conversion rates for international postal reply coupons. So if you don't know what exactly that is, that is what an IRC is that I said previously. So he basically was funding his money, if you've been following me, through buying the, the, the sale of IRCs, which, like I mentioned, the U.S. Post Office Department announced new conversion rates for international postal reply coupons. Through officials said that the rate change had nothing to do with Ponzi. Now, he was determining, like I mentioned, what usually happens is in the Ponzi scheme is this. They promise you little to no risk. But like I said, in any market, it doesn't matter whether you're in the Asian market, you're in the American Euro, 
there's always going to be risk because companies are always going to take a downturn. There's always going to be factors of high cost of living. There's going to be fluctuating rates. There's going to be housing crisis. So there's always going to be a fluctuation in market value. So if you're, if somebody is telling you in an investment that your, your money is always going to compound, you're going to, you're never going to take a hit. That's always going to be a red flag and is most likely associated with a Ponzi scheme. Moreover, more bad press from the Post ultimately sealed Ponzi's fate. He was eventually convicted on federal charges of mail fraud and served three and a half years in prison. Upon parole, he was convicted of state charges, jumped bail, was caught, and went to prison again, getting out in 1934. At the time, he was deported to his native Italy, having never become a U.S. citizen. His history in Italy and Brazil is not well documented. Though it is... Now, Brazil is a whole nother conversation. That doesn't matter right now. The point is what I'm trying to highlight is the Ponzi scheme. Though it is known that he died on January 18, 1949, in a, in a charity hospital in Rio de Janeiro, leaving just $75 to pay for his burial. Now, how much money did Charles Ponzi steal from investors? Like I mentioned, in eight months, he racked up about $15 million equivalent to $220 million by persuading thousands of Bostonians that he could make them rich. Goddamn Boston people. I'm sorry. What happened to Charles Ponzi after he was deported from the United States? Many accounts vary, but one of the most likely has him going to Brazil from Italy to run a fledging, a fledging airline that was ferrying supplies to Italy during World War II. According to that account, once the United States entered the war, it and the government of Brazil shut down the airline. Ponzi taught English and French and worked as an interpreter. He died nearly broke on January 18, 1949 in the charity hospital in Brazil. Now, what are some of the biggest Ponzi schemes in recent years? I gave you the history, but now I'm going to highlight that Ponzi, the Ponzi scheme to this day from this guy, Charles Ponzi. To 2023 is still happening. Let me give you what the one of the more recent ones. In between 2016 and 2018, BitConnect's cryptocurrency investment program scam ended with a market capitalization of 2.6 billion. 2012, Alan Stanford conducted a Ponzi scheme through his Stanford International Bank that scammed investors out of 7 billion. Let's go further. 1994 to 2003, mutual benefits company conned 28,000 terminally ill people out of $1 billion in one of the most egregious Ponzi schemes at all time. 2023, Bitcoin. Frank, whatever his name is, the guy currently in the news, I'm sorry, audience, I don't have my, 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 uh, my memory isn't as exactly enough to remember the guy's full name. But the audience that's listening, you guys know exactly who I'm talking about. That is currently, and he's not the only one. There's going to be a lot more coming out this year of people running Ponzi schemes through cryptocurrency. Let me repeat that. There is going to be a lot more subpoenas for individuals running Ponzi schemes through cryptocurrency in 2023. So if you are just jumping into cryptocurrency 
without really doing your research or knowing exactly what company you're investing with, I might want to relook at my investment account because you might be in the Ponzi scheme. But that's between me and you. Let's keep going. Audience, I highlighted the history. I gave you Bernie Madoff. I don't want to stay on Madoff. I don't want to stay on Charles Ponzi. I, what I'm here to do is give you guys the game as to exactly how a Ponzi scheme is run, which I did. I gave you a brief history, which I did. Now, how do you spot red flags in the Ponzi scheme? Ponzi schemes are not just large net worth individuals or large companies. Ponzi schemes could be run between your coworkers, between your family, between your friends, between small businesses. It doesn't matter who you are. The Ponzi scheme doesn't discriminate against anyone, any race, any person. As, as long as you're funding money from new to old, there's always going to be someone trying to run game to make to get rich quick. Now, regardless of the technology used in the Ponzi schemes, most share similar characteristics. This is from the Security Exchange Commission or the SEC. And this is what they identified and what I want to share with you as following traits to watch for. I'm going to give you guys about 10 seconds to get a pen and paper. These are the red flags that you want to pay attention to in the Ponzi scheme. Number one, a guaranteed promise of high returns with little or no risk. Let me repeat that again. Number one of spotting red flags in the Ponzi scheme. The number one thing is the person telling you or company that there is a promise that you will have high returns with little or no risk. That is the term or the line that that person or company will use when engaging with you in a Ponzi scheme. A consistent flow of returns regardless of market conditions even if we're speaking about a current recession possibly coming, I believe it will be. Some may not. Doesn't matter. The point is that even in the down market, your, your, the investor that you invested with is telling you, don't worry about the market. Don't worry about what's happening right now. Your money's still good and still growing with me, with our company. That is a Ponzi scheme, ladies and gentlemen, because what makes you special? from everybody else losing money. Let's think about that audience. What makes you different because you invested with that one person? But how come how come Todd, how come Sally, how come Tim, how come Brittany, how come how come Jeff, how come they invested with competitor B and you're at competitor A, but you're the only one getting high rates of returns and company B isn't, but you guys are in the same market, are you not? Re potential red flag to watch for. Number three, investments that have not been registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Now, you can go to the SEC site, sec.gov, type in the company name, and if the company doesn't show, that means it's not a registered investment vehicle. What does that mean? That means that it doesn't follow the rules or regulations governed to invest in that company or companies you're invested in. What does that mean? Red flag, probably a Ponzi scheme. Number four, investment strategies that are secret or described as too complex to explain. Let me give you an example. Let's say 
Brittany calls her investment strategist and says, hey, I'm invested in company A, but for some reason it's giving me some type of trade that's saying that I executed for last week. Now, why did I execute that trade exactly? And what? why did you give the okay to approve that trade? Ah, don't worry about that. It's just some stuff happening right now in the market. Just wanted to quickly protect your money. Just make sure that it doesn't lose any type of revenue in this down market that we're in. Don't worry about that. I'll take care of everything else like that. Red flag audience. Because if you don't even understand what exactly that person is telling you, see, that's what we call a speak around audience. This happens in the market. This happens with your uh, with the person that's working on your house, your the construction worker that's building your house for you, whatever the case is. People will use certain lingo within their industry to try to give you the runaround. That's what they, or in the streets, they call it talking at you. Now, I'm not a street guy, obviously, but what it basically means is they'll try to use certain lingo or try to give you the runaround where you don't necessarily understand what that person is saying. But it's just all bullshit that they're throwing at you. Now, you have to be kind of street smart to pick up on that alternatively. And if you don't understand that, I think it's, it's important to go to somebody if that you know can, can actually understand what that lingo means. Now, it's going to be hard because, like I said, a lot of times, those tend to be the people giving you the runaround. So it's important that you always have a second opinion. Now, that's important, like I mentioned. And, the, and, and moving forward, this is another one that's very key. Is clients not allowed to view official paperwork for their investment? Any investment that you do, you should have paperwork, and you should be privy to the paperwork. And you can con you can contact the lawyer to request that if that investment platform or entity isn't one to share that with you. Because why is that? Because there should be registered with the market or Security Exchange Commission. So. Just like you have to get the paperwork, they have to file paperwork. So there should be tr there should be paper transactions of the investments being done that you're privy to. And if that person is saying that they don't have it or they can't disclose that to you, that is a Ponzi scheme, ladies and gentlemen. You are involved in one. And if you if you're listening to this and your investment or investments aren't getting you paperwork right now, you think you need to contact your attorney as soon as possible. And the final one. Clients facing difficulties removing their money. If you're having difficulty removing your money for whatever reason, that is a Ponzi scheme. What do I mean by that? If you're investing in the stock market, can you not sell your stock? Doesn't matter what what's happening in the market. If you're buying properties, can you not sell your property? May not be today, may not be three months from now. But eventually, you can sell that property. If you can't get your money out or they give you restrictions on that money, that is a Ponzi scheme. Now, let me remind you what I'm saying by that. Remember, some companies will give you disclosures stating why they can't return that money to you. But if you're not privy to what those terminologies mean, Pay for a, a contract attorney or lawyer. They can give you what that term means. They can give you what those disclosures mean. 
if you haven't signed any paperwork and you can't pull your money out, that's even worse. So that definitely is saying that you're definitely in a Ponzi and that's something you want to be privy to. So what did I highlight audience? I want to bring it back and cover the six points. Allow me about three minutes to highlight each point for you. Ponzi scheme red flags. Number one, a guaranteed promise of high returns with little or no risk. Number two, a consistent flow of returns regardless of market conditions. Number three, investments that have not been registered with the Security and Exchange Commission or SEC as we know it. Number four, investment strategies that are secret or described as too complex to explain. Number five, you are not allowed to view official paperwork for your investment. And number six, you're having difficulties removing your, your money. Now, I've given you the context. I've given you examples. Now, I want to give you a scenario and another example. What exactly a Ponzi scheme is. Now, just give me a second, audience. You may close your eyes. You may not. But let's just imagine for a second. A very basic example where Adam promises 10% returns to his friend Barry. Barry gives Adam $1,000 with the expectation that the value of the investment will be $1,000 or $1,100 in one year. So that's basically just 10% added to the $1,000 as I just referenced. In, in one year. Next. Adam promises 10% returns to his friend, Christy. Christy agrees to give Adam 2000 Now, remember, he had, Adam has 1000 from both his friends, at, at, uh, what is it, Barry, excuse me, and Christy. So what does Adam have now? $3,000 audience. With $3,000 now on hand, Adam can make Barry Barry whole by paying him eleven hundred. In addition, Adam can steal a thousand from the collective pool of funds if he believes he can get future investors to give him money. Now I want to pause right there, audience. Let me bring this back for you again. Adam is the guy conducting the Ponzi scheme. He first goes to his friend Barry. Let's say Adam was working, has been working on Wall Street or has a quote-unquote investment company, quote-unquote, like I mentioned. At Barry trusts Adam. He's known Adam for a while. You know, maybe they've been, they've been boys since high school, maybe middle school, even college, whatever the case is. Maybe Adam took a couple investment classes in college. Barry liked Adam because he always knew Adam was smart. He always understood the market. So... Adam comes to Barry and said, hey, I'm starting this investment company and I would like to help grow your money in that. I want to show you that I can help get you more money. What I'm asking is if you can loan me $1,000 or give me $1,000 and I'll promise you in the next year or so, I will get you 10% in addition to the $1,000 and help grow your money from $1,000, Barry, to $1,100 or $1,100 in one year. Now, remember what I mentioned in the Ponzi scheme. You have to get new clients to fund the old one. Now, let's say a year is coming up. 
Adam really Adam doesn't have that that money to pay uh, the one thousand one hundred to Barry. So what does he do? Adam calls his other friend Christy, uh, Christine, excuse me, and asks Christine for two thousand this time. Because and what and what does he do? He tells Christine knows Adam and Barry. She went to college with both. Now Adam is telling Christine that hey, I have I have Barry's money. Barry gave me $1,000 and I promised him a 10% increase and it's already been eight months and that 10% already came. Now I have 1100 Christine, I want to do the same thing for you. And Christine feels so happy. She's like, wow, I can't believe Adam grew Barry's money that quickly in just under a year. You know what, Adam? I'm going to give you 2000 instead of the 1000 that Barry gave you. Adam has a smallish grin on the phone and he, and he, and she says to Christine, okay, Christine, I got you. I'm going to do the same thing I did with Barry. Now a year has passed. And remember Adam promised a year to Christine that he did Barry. But the thing is with Christine, Adam started at the end of the year. So now he has, Adam actually has 3,100, just add 2,000, or I'm lying. I was lying, guys. You know why I say that? Because Adam never actually compounded that, that money for, for uh, Barry. Adam was lying the whole time. A Adam just took 1,000, and he just added 2,000 from Christine. He took 1,000 from Barry and added 2,000 from Christine. So what does he do? Now that Adam has 3,000, he gives, quote unquote, 1100 or 1100 excuse me, back to Barry. So Barry believes that, hey, Adam actually did the job. You know what? You know what, um, Adam? Barry says, I got this other friend, John. I'm going to tell him about what you did for me. I'm going to bring him to me. Adam says, please do. And let me do the same thing that I did. But what did Adam really do in that? Adam just stole 1000 from his friends Barry and Christine and then gave gave uh what is it called Barry back the 1100 quote unquote fictitiously and really pocketed the remaining money for himself that is what a ponzi scheme is audience is you always taking money from new people to fund the old and keeping the remaining money for yourself so in a ponzi scheme they'll never give you back the full money they take more from the new investors and give you a portion back. Remember, in the Ponzi scheme, they will never ask you for a full amount. They will always ask for more because they have to keep the cash flow going to the old investors and keep robbing from new investors. Or they say, rob Peter to pay Paul. That is what the term means, audience. Now, many people get this confused by the term Ponzi scheme and period pyramid scheme. So I want to kind of just quickly describe what those two mean. In the Ponzi scheme is a mechanism to attract investors with a promise of future returns. The operator of a Ponzi scheme can only maintain the scheme as long as what audience? New clients are being used to fund old clients. That is exactly what that means. On the other hand, a pyramid scheme recruits other people and incentivizes them to further bring along other investors. A member within a pyramid scheme only earns a portion of their proceeds 
and is used to generate profit by members higher along the pyramid. Let me re rephrase that again. In the pyramid scheme, the person running the pyramid scheme recruits other people and then incentivizes them to further bring along other investors. So the person that's conducting the pyramid scheme is actually involved in the pyramid scheme. But what that person is doing is just put, pulling money together by getting people to come together and then asking them to recruit other people into that pyramid scheme as well. A member within the pyramid scheme only earns a portion of their proceeds and is used to generate profit by members higher along the pyramid. So it's similar to a Ponzi, but the only thing is that in the pyramid, the person has to, the person with the most money is who that person is going to be robbing to pay the other people coming into the pyramid scheme. Now, I told you why it's called a Ponzi scheme how to identify it. Obviously, one of the most famous ones being Bernie Madoff. Now, wrapping it together, coming together to wrap this up. When clients give money to their financial advisors or investment firms, they usually tend to expect a level of fiduciary duty or basically just doing what you're supposed to be doing. Unfortunately, those funds can be fraudulently mismanaged through Ponzi schemes. By taking one person's money to repay another, Ponzi schemes aren't actual investment plans. They are fraudulent investment schemes that have resulted in the loss of billions of dollars. Now, excuse me, if you guys have been watching the Madoff doc, if you've heard of um, obviously the Wolf of Wall Street, these guys are not individuals to be celebrated. These are crooks. These are bad individuals. These guys have robbed people's life savings, have robbed people's insurance policies, retirement plans, life insurance policies, um, trust uh, estate plans. All these things Bernie Madoff stole from people. The Wolf of Wall Street, I always forget the guy's name. It's not coming to my head right now. But the point is, like I said, these are individuals. It doesn't even have to be famous people like that because they got famous from their schemes, unfortunately. But these are people that you, that could be your neighbor. That could be your coworker. You don't know, again, like I said, who is capable of what. But I've given you guys the blueprint for as far as I can do it. Why I highlighted this, this episode in particular was because, like I mentioned, I want to make sure that I'm protected and more importantly, you are, especially in this world of information, where it's easy to get into investment because you see you see famous people invested in it. You see Tom Brady and Giselle got, got their money stolen. You see the Shark Tank guy, uh, Mr. Wonderful's money got stolen in this recent cryptocurrency scheme and many others like that. Just because they have money doesn't always mean that whoever they're giving the money to is someone that's trustworthy. Just because they're famous, just because they work on Wall Street doesn't mean that they know how to manage money or they're doing it with the with your best interest at heart. Doesn't matter whether your cousin works in, at, at Goldman Sachs or JP Morgan or whatever the case is. You have to do your due diligence. It doesn't matter whether it's family, friends, co-workers, whoever it is. Even in, even in the church. If you're giving money out, doesn't always mean that your pastor has the best interest at heart to use that money for the grace of God, or so to speak. And I don't want to bring religion into this, 
But that's also could be a form of a Ponzi scheme. And that happens quite frequently, more than a lot of people may not know. Now, like I mentioned, that is important why you need to read red flags. Now, I use it in market terminology, but you can use this in the day-to-day lifestyle. Protect yourself, guys. Because again, like I said, you are the ladder to build generational wealth for your kids or even your nieces, nephews, or your family altogether. So it's important that if you are going to invest your money, that you're doing it right and you're doing it with people that you know will give you the right rate of returns and make sure that your money is actually growing the way it's supposed to do. And if you are going to take a loss, that they actually admit that to you. Now, like I mentioned, guys, I've given you guys the blueprint. Now it's up to you guys. Are you guys prepared to protect yourself from the criminals out there willing to privilege or pillage, excuse me, off of your money? Thank you guys for tuning in today's episode. Again, I'm your host, Charles Dancer. Make sure you check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to today's episode. This is The Wealth Principles. Catch us next week as we cover real estate. Might have a special guest for you guys. Stay tuned. Peace.